I'm Caesar, and you're listening to Sound Encounters, a music podcast where I explore new and classic releases, different genres, and your favorite artists and bands. It's been quite the week since we last spoke. Apparently, Kanye West is running for president now. A little late to the party, Kanye. I know you have been saying for a while that you've wanted to run, uh, but I'm pretty surprised that you want to run against your good old buddy Trump. Or I guess he recently denounced Trump, said he's not wearing the MAGA hat anymore. I can't believe we now have Kanye and Trump drama in 2020. This is just the year that keeps on giving. In all honesty, I am not taking this new announcement seriously. He's got a new record coming out. Kanye has known to pull off these extravagant and ridiculous PR stunts right before an album drops so that everyone can start talking about him so he can start training on Twitter. He was training on Twitter for, I feel like it was like two days. My trending now page on my Twitter app had Kanye's face at the top for two days straight. That's how you know that was a genius PR move. But yeah, I think I just saw an article recently saying that he didn't even have the right paperwork to even run for president, which I feel is horribly on brand with Kanye. But I guess it'll be interesting to see how many meme lords will write him in just for the meme. Uh, Just thinking about that just terrifies me. We'll have more on Kanye later as he recently released a new track for his new album, God's Country. Like I promised last week, I'll be covering Shoegaze and five albums to get you into the genre. I'm so excited to talk about Shoegaze as it's been a favorite genre of mine for years now. But of course, before we get to that, we have to look back at this past week in music. That's coming up next. Okay, so now let's talk about this past week in music. We've got a ton of singles, we got an EP that I want to talk about, and two LPs that I want to talk about. So starting with singles, we got a new Kanye West track featuring Travis Scott, Wash Us in the Blood. Now, I was kind of worried, I was kind of scared going to this track. I was kind of hoping that Kanye would learn from Jesus is King and he would improve his sound regardless if he was still making uh, music about Jesus and, and God. But it turns out Wash Us in the Blood wasn't actually that bad. Sure, it was a bit repetitive, and it actually made the song feel longer than it actually is. But I thought the beat was fire. Kanye had some politically conscious lyrics referring to mass incarceration, slavery, uh, capital punishment. Actually, no, I think Travis talked about capital punishment But, you know, Travis was barely in this track. It felt like he was barely in this track. And I think where the song really lost me is when Kanye indulges in the typical they can't censor Kanye, they can't handle the real Kanye crap that I really dislike from his music. And honestly, I think that could have been cut out. The track would have benefited so much from cutting that part out. But otherwise, it was a decent track. Moving on, we have Montgomery Forever by The Front Bottoms. The Front Bottoms is their guilty pleasure of mine. They've been there for me during the toughest of times, so I really have a soft spot for the front bottoms, but I can recognize that their recent releases haven't been as great as their past releases, but I was still willing to give uh, this new single a try. This is coming off of their forthcoming album, In Sickness and In Flames, and this is a very energetic 
but typical pop punk song. It's fun. It's catchy. It's all right, but it's nothing to sing home about. I think when it comes to energetic pop punk songs, they can really pull it off. So this is really nothing new for the front bottoms. And if you're a fan of them, if you're a fan of pop punk, it's worth a listen. Maybe you'll like it more than I do, but I think it's just all right. And next up, we have The Bends by JPEG Mafia. I know he released this track, like I think a couple weeks ago, but I'm just now getting around to uh, this song. And I just want to talk about it real quick because I really love JPEG Mafia. Um, I don't know if he's releasing a new album yet or if it's just like some sort of compilation thing. I'm not 100% sure, but I just, whenever I can get the opportunity to talk about Peggy, I I love to talk about Peggy because he's released some of my favorite albums of last decade. On the bends, we see a a slow tempo Peggy. I don't know if I would describe this feeling as dark, maybe a bit somber, but we have that, you know, usual experimental industrial hip-hop beat that we've heard on past projects. We have a metallic beat. Um, We also have references to Radiohead, there's a specific line that references both No Surprises from OK Computer and The Benz, Radiohead's second full-length album. And then I think that's mainly just to talk about how Peggy is changing his sound once again. It does feel like a different Peggy on this track, and uh, he correlates that change in his sound, his style, to how Radiohead drastically changes their style uh, constantly. He also takes aim at Trump. You know, typical Peggy, I I wouldn't expect less from him, but I really like his references to the bunker bitch situation, and I really like the line, my leader, treat me like an enemy, he's a casualty. Fantastic song, really looking forward to whatever the heck Peggy is going to release soon. And then finally, the last new single that I listened to this past week was America by Sufjan Stevens. This is the closing track to his forthcoming album, The Ascension. I don't really like to listen to closing tracks out of context, I really think that the album should build up to the closing track, especially if it's a very climactic ending to the album. And this does sound like it is the climactic ending to his new record. It's a 12-minute Indietronica epic. It, it kind of returns to the Age of Odds sound that he tried on on that record. But yeah, I, I feel like I got spoiled. Like I, Like it spoiled the ending of the album for me. I don't know if he will discuss other topics that are similar or different to the topics that he that he talks about in this song, which I'll get to momentarily. But I really do feel like if you're going to have a grand finale, you should really build up to it. And, and it should be a surprise to listeners when they hear your record for the first time. That being said, I do think because of what he talks about on this track, this was a very appropriate track to release now and because it's a very politically charged song that takes aim at America Sufyan I think is losing his faith in his country especially with everything that Trump's doing his Trump's response to coronavirus Trump's racist and xenophobic rhetoric a campaign that's built on racist and xenophobic rhetoric but besides that it it also is a song that sounds like Sufyan is losing his faith in his religion in God. He's talked about his faith, I, I feel like, his entire career. He's a very religious man, and to hear him sort of denouncing God and denouncing religion or, or losing his faith in religion is, is very, I, I don't know, it, it, it's a Sufyan that we don't really know, and because of that, I feel like we are going to get a, a record that explores losing faith in religion and, and explore a different Sufyan 
so I guess in that sense, maybe this was the perfect teaser track. Uh, but that being said, I, I, I still, I guess I'm conflicted because I think that you should save your best for last, the climactic ending for last. And this sounds like a very climactic ending to possibly a, a very important project in Sufyan's career. Other things about the track, the climax is very psychedelic. Uh, the outro is very ambient and it just sounds excellent. The production sounds amazing. The mixing sounds fantastic. Sufyan has a very clear message in the song and I've been replaying it now since I, I've heard it. It's really phenomenal. And because of that, I'm looking forward to the Ascension when it releases in the fall. Okay, and now I want to move on to the EP that I heard this past week, which is Bridge to Quiet by Animal Collective. Yes, that's right. The boys are back. And thank God, I really do like this EP. And this is surprising because recent Animal Collective projects have been underwhelming or lackluster. Just look at Tangerine Reef, Painting with, Centipede Hurts is debatable, but I know a lot of people don't really like that record. And it seems like solo projects like Deacon's Sleep Cycle and AV's Cows on Hourglass Pond is more favorable to fans of Animal Collective than their actual projects that they've released under the Animal Collective name. I know, personally, I prefer Sleep Cycle and Cows on Hourglass Pond uh, to the recent Animal Collective full-length albums, especially Cows on Hourglass Pond. That was one of my favorite albums of last year. But it seems like they've really focused back on their songwriting, focused on their structure, as as this EP is some of the best material that they've released in years. In fact, I feel like Bridge to Quiet sounds a bit like Cows on Hourglass Pond, because you take a look at a song like Rain and Cups, and you get this very aquatic texture that I felt defined cows on Hourglass Pond. And then that aquatic texture is accompanied by this minimalist beat that I feel, again, is very cows. But I also feel like they take notes from previous projects. Piggy Nose, the second track off of this EP, has the structure of a song like What Would I Want Sky. It's an ambient piece that eventually turns into a quirky Anko song, like the typical quirky Anko song. Uh, I guess even the ambient piece before that is a bit quirky, is a bit animal collective. It's pretty catchy as well. One of the catchiest animal collective songs I've heard in a while. And then the title track has to be one of the best songs that they've released in recent memory. Really loved the buildup, loved the background harmonies towards the end. And the synths sound a bit like LCD Sound System's Dance Yourself Clean. I'm not sure if anyone else picked up on that, but that was also a really fantastic track. The only song that I didn't like was the third song. I'm not even going to pronounce it. Not much really happened in it, and it felt like it was pretty boring. But nonetheless, it was a it was an ambient piece. It was an exercise in ambient, which they've done in the past, and I feel like they've done uh, significantly better on, on tracks like that. But this made me excited for a full-length release from the boys. I haven't really been that excited for an Animal Collective project since probably Merryweather, honestly. Definitely go check out this EP if you're a fan of Animal Collective or any of their their solo works. I promise it's good. And finally, we're going to get to the LPs. Uh, I listened to two LPs this past week. First one is Pop Smoke's Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. This is a posthumous record as Pop Smoke passed away earlier this year. I didn't know that until kind of digging deeper into how the record was made. But um, I have to say... I wasn't really impressed with this one. 
Uh, we got some generic, sometimes even boring beats. None of the verses stood out to me. It doesn't help that there are a lot of songs on here that feel like they could have been cut out. The track list would have flowed a lot better if you took out these songs. Less filler on here. I feel like the best songs come halfway through on the record with West Coast Shit, Enjoy Yourself, What You Know About Love, and Get It On Me. I feel like those are the really great songs on here. But other than that, it's not very memorable. It doesn't really stand out to me as a good hip-hop album from this past year. But that being said, of course, there are some good songs to find on here. And, and you know, personally, this isn't my type of hip-hop. I don't really gravitate towards trap. Oh, and the features on here, I feel like, were just way too much. And some of them didn't even really stand out. Why the fuck does Quavo have three features on this record? I don't even really like Quavo. Any song that he appears in, I'm just like, no, fuck that. Um, but yeah, uh, not typically my thing. I checked it out because there was a lot of buzz around it, but it didn't really leave a significant impact on me. And the last LP that I checked out this past week was The Black Hole Understands by Cloud Nothings. This was a surprise release. This really came out of nowhere. Haven't really been too excited for any Cloud Nothings releases since here and nowhere else. I think ever since Attack on Memory, their 2012 release, I have grown increasingly disinterested in their music. And now it feels like it's a chore to listen to any Cloud Nothings record. This one probably being the worst out of, I think, what uh, Here Nowhere Else, Life Without Sound, and, and Last Building Burning. They returned to their indie rock sound that I think they were known for before switching up their sound on Attack on Memory. And wow, this is just so boring. Such a decline in quality. I feel like I wasn't even listening to Cloud Nothings. They have this very distinct personality, especially on, on an album like Attack on Memory. Uh, and I feel like that's completely gone. They sound like a generic indie rock band. If you're going to return to a genre or, or a specific type of sound, then I would expect that you have something else to say, something different to say. That's why you're returning to that sound. But it feels like they wanted to just release music. And because of that, they released generic, boring indie rock songs. I, I seriously can't remember a single melody from this record. It's just so bland, so uninteresting. I will say that there is a song on here called An Average World. Again, it's a very tiresome indie rock song, but I think the breakdown at the end was probably the best thing of this record. It was pretty fantastic. It was a bit winding. It was a bit chaotic. It was very unexpected. And I feel like because of that, it really stuck out more to me than anything else in the record. But other than that, I'm just so disappointed in them. I feel like I even shouldn't be surprised that they released another underwhelming release because they've been doing this for like years. But hey, that's that's the new Claudna things. And that concludes this past week in music. We're going to take a little break. When we return, I'll be going over five shoegaze albums to get you into the genre. Stay with us. Hello and welcome back to Sound Encounters. Before the break, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about five shoegaze albums that will get you into the genre. But before I go into the list that I've comprised, what is shoegaze? What the hell 
is shoegaze and why is there a genre that talks about gazing at your shoes? Well, I'm glad you asked because I have prepared a definition for you. Shoegaze is a variation of dream pop that incorporates elements of noise rock and and neo-psychedelia. The genre emerged from the UK around the mid to late 80s and is mainly characterized by the sound that is created from blending distorted guitars, feedback-drenched textures, and hazy, usually unintelligible vocals. And that's typically because vocals and melodies take a back seat as the overwhelming walls of sounds that these bands create are the focal point in this genre. So if you don't think that you would want to listen to walls of sound, uh, maybe this genre isn't for you, but hear me out, because this is a really uh, fantastic and unique genre to explore. Fun fact, the term shoegaze was coined by the British music press because bands within the genre would look down toward their shoes during live performances because of the heavy use of guitar pedals that created the sounds that we hear in their music. And now that we have that out of the way, here is my list for five shoegaze albums that will get you into the genre. Number one, Loveless by My Bloody Valentine. This is probably the most recognizable shoegaze album of all time. If you go to a site like Rate Your Music or SputnikMusic.com, you will see that this album constantly sits at the best of all time in the genre. And, and that's for good reason. This is shoegaze. My Bloody Valentine is shoegaze. They pretty much perfected the sound of the genre. And, and because of that, many have tried to replicate the sound on this album. Just listen to a band like LSD and The Search for God. A lot of their songs sound like they're ripping off My Bloody Valentine. And it's so obvious because MBV just has this distinct sound. Loveless was released on November 4th, 1991 through Creation Records. The band's frontman, Kevin Shields, uh, created the distinct sound of this record by wavering his guitar's tremolo bar as he strummed to bend the guitar string slightly in and out of tune. He would famously call this technique the glide guitar. You can hear this technique clearly in songs like When You Sleep. The chords on that song sound like they are sliding and gliding. And when you're listening to this album, it is easy for the sound to just envelop you completely. It, it grabs your attention. This is mainly due to reverb-soaked textures and ethereal warm vocals you can barely hear. If there was ever an album that sounded like its cover art, it would be Loveless. Just take a look at that cover art. It's indistinguishable at first, but as you continuously look at it, you'll, you'll see that it's a picture of a guitar that's been heavily saturated by this pink filter. Now, this album wouldn't be anything without its song, so I want to talk about a couple on here. The fourth track on here, To Hear Knows When, really attacks the senses as we get all these noisy guitar effects. Guitar fuzz will occasionally pop, creating this warm feeling that is, again, excellently portrayed on the album's cover art. The dreamy vocals also add to this feeling like you are in a dream. This entire album feels like you are constantly living through a dream. And yeah, this song in particular can is a dense listen. It can, it can be overwhelming. You can let it envelop you and you can really feel the music. The opener on here, Only Shallow, is, is a classic shoegaze song. If Loveless is your first shoegaze experience, then you're kind of thrown into it right away as you get this wall of distortion right from the get-go. 
this heavy distortion eventually fades out to accompany these wailing guitars, the pounding percussion, and, and Belinda Butcher's vocals, which are intentionally mixed low like they are another uh, instrument. I love the contrast between the soft and mellow vocals and, and the roaring instrumentals. It definitely is a, an attention getter. Uh, it was my first shoegazy song, and it's a fantastic opener to this record. And then we get to a personal favorite of mine, sometimes probably the most comprehensible melody on this record. We get these distorted guitars, barely audible percussion, distant organs, and Kevin Shields' warm vocals, again creating another dreamy atmosphere, probably my favorite on the entire record. Taking a look at the lyrics, the song describes an intimate and passionate moment between two lovers. However, this turns sour as it appears that they've hurt one another. The song then ends with Kevin letting his lover go and hoping that they both find someone that makes them believe in true love. The organs continually climb, creating this stunning melody that is bittersweet. One of my favorite things about this song, actually, if you listen closely, the percussion sounds like it's creating this rhythm that resembles a beating heart. It's probably why I associate this song with passion. Definitely a highlight for me on this record. Some other amazing moments on this record include Touched, which is a minute-long interlude that features these harsh and eerie synth effects. The tribal drumming and whatever sample that they use adds to this uneasy feeling. And speaking of the sample, I honestly thought it was taken from a Zelda or Final Fantasy game when I first heard it. It just it just sounds like a Nintendo game or something. Uh, what else? There's Soon, the closing track, which is a very upbeat track and a list of tracks that feel a little melancholic, more bittersweet. But here we get another example of Kevin's glide guitars and another standout moment on this record. One of my favorite aspects from a song like When You Sleep uh, is the vocals on here. It sounds like a duet with Kevin and Belinda, but in actuality, it's just two Kevin tracks, one that is intentionally slowed down and the other sped up at the same time. And I had always thought that it was the two of them singing. But while I was doing my research on this album, I, I learned that Kevin basically layered two of his tracks and then slowed down and sped up both of them. And I was just like happy that I've learned something new uh, about this record. Honestly, if I went through everything that I thought was a highlight, uh, we'd be here for a while. Definitely one of my favorite albums of all time. One of the best shoegaze, if not the best shoegaze album of all time. Yeah, Loveless stands the test of time. It's a truly remarkable record. At number two, we have Suvlaki by Slow Dive. This is the second studio album from English shoegaze band Slow Dive. Unlike their first full-length release, uh, Suvlaki is more lush. It's more psychedelic and mellow. And I think Suvlaki exhibits the much more dreamier side of shoegaze. Prior to writing this album, band members Neil Halstead and Rachel Goswell had ended their relationship. And because of that, Halstead began writing songs on his own uh, when in the past, the full band would write songs together. So because of that, we are seeing a much more moodier approach to the songwriting, to the lyrics, to the overall atmosphere of this record. This is pretty much exhibited through the opening track, Allison, with its soaring and hazy guitars and mellowed out vocals. I think you could take a look at this song and and pretty much paint another picture of shoegaze, like what shoegaze is supposed to sound like, much like you can take 
only shallow or sometimes from Loveless and begin to paint a picture of what Shoegaze is and what, what it sounds like. I think by far my favorite three song run on this record starts with Suvaki Space Station and ends with All Together. Suvaki Space Station is an incredible track that uses delay effects to space out the guitars, creating this psychedelic and dreamy atmosphere. Rachel Goswell actually wrote the lyrics to this song, uh, and it's in reference to her relationship with band member Neil uh, Halstead. Her vocals are pretty much unintelligible. It's pretty hard to make out what she's saying in the song, so I had to look up the lyrics. And a lot of the lyrics in the song are pretty much open to interpretation. If you didn't know that Goswell and Halstead were dating, much like how I didn't know when I first heard this song. But I think her last verse is very poignant. Curse your soul. I don't want to hear you. Curse your soul. I don't want to know you. Let me go to the next track, When the Sun Hits, which is another classic shoegaze song, which I think is pretty interesting because for the most part, the song follows this by-the-numbers dream pop structure with its jangly guitars. But then that gets flipped on its head as it crescendos and erupts into this noisy wall of sound. Just before the chorus decrescendos, you hear these screeching guitars that are just chilling so freaking good. This song also has this soft, loud dynamic. It's a pretty recognizable structure. And because of this structure, I think it lends it to be one of their more recognizable songs. And then the final song in this three-song run is All Together, which is a perfect example of this dreamy atmosphere that Slow Dive is known for. The distant, hazy guitar chords create this subdued feeling. And to add to that, the lyrics refer to sleep and dreaming. There's also a reference to the Beatles that I didn't notice until now. And that's when the band ends at each verse with yeah, 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 in reference to the Beatles' She Loves You. And after I kind of figured this out, I noticed just how much this song actually sounded like the Beatles. It sounds like it was heavily inspired by that song in particular. Another interesting fact about this record was that the band had asked Brian Eno to produce the album, as Neil Halstead was inspired by Eno's work with David Bowie. While Eno did decline to produce the entire record, he agreed to do a couple of recordings, and from that we got Sing and Here She Comes. If you remove the drums and vocals on Sing, we get this ethereal atmosphere with twinkling keyboards, which ends up becoming the backbone of this song. This is more in line with Eno's ambient works, and I think it's a very pretty instrumental that just screams Eno. But once the band adds in this trip-hop-esque beat and Goswell's haunting vocals, it suddenly becomes Slow Dive's song again and less of Eno's song. The same thing happens here on Here She Comes. Eno's keyboards are the foundation of the song, and it's up to Halstead's vocals now and the tribal drumming to reclaim the song to make it Slow Dive's again. But this song isn't as successful as Sing as the keyboards pop more than anything else on this song. But yeah, just another stellar shoegaze release. If you love this album, I implore you to check out uh, Slow Dive's first full-length release, Just For A Day. That's another fantastic record that I believe is up there with the shoegaze greats. And number three, we have Nowhere by Ride. Now's a good time as any to point out that this album, Loveless, and Suvlaki are the holy trinity of shoegaze albums. 
if you come across any online discussions of Shoecase, more times than not, these three albums will come up. This is the debut album of the UK band Ride, released on October 15th, 1990. There's an endearing quality to this record that is completely different from Loveless and Suvlaki. While Loveless buries you with its distortion and Suvlaki lulls you into a trance, Nowhere is more upbeat and anthemic. Brighter guitar chords, cheery vocals, and energetic drumming define this album. A song like Polar Bear has these uplifting chords and and blissful backing vocals. It's a very intoxicating song about a girl being so drugged out of her mind that she feels like she could touch the sky when in actuality she's touching a light bulb. One of the more famous ride songs, Seagull, is featured on this album. It's actually the opening track of the album, and it features this infectious bass line and jangly guitar chords. I would label the duet between band members Andrew Bell and Mike Gardner on this song as euphoric. And again, we hear a more anthemic approach to this song as it keeps that uplifting feeling throughout the entire track. The song Dreams Burn Down is a personal favorite of mine. The guitar chords on this song are are slow and dreamy, and we even have this distortion in the background. The lyrics reference this forbidden romance, and to emphasize the relationship that's crashing down, guitars will wail in the chorus, and it's so stunning whenever it happens. Definitely my favorite part of this track. The record ends with Vapor Trail, another staple of, of Shuge's music. The guitars are lush and psychedelic. We get another song that references a failed relationship. And because of that, these somber strings come in near the end of the track and, and play the song out. It definitely offers a different side to Shoegaze where, you know, we feel a little dreary when listening to albums like Loveless or Suvlaki. And it's an album that doesn't have to feel like the weight of the world is crashing down on you. Nowhere by Ride definitely proves that we can have these anthemic qualities in Shoegaze. And, and that's partially why I included it. Another reason is you just kind of have to talk about these three albums when talking about shoegaze. Moving on to number four, we have Psycho Candy by The Jesus and Mary Jane. Now, this record was released in November of 1985 by the UK band Jesus and Mary Jane. However, this was before shoegaze really took off and people started to acknowledge shoegaze as its own genre. And because of that, it is labeled as a proto-shoegaze release. But I wanted to include it on this list because I think it is an important stepping stone into developing the shoegaze sound. Because it's not exactly shoegaze, we hear more elements of noise pop and post-punk. But again, it was an influential project as it would set the standard for the genre to come. This album is defined by guitar feedback, quiet vocals, and songs that really followed uh, pop conventions. The Living End, Taste the Floor, and Taste of Cindy feature guitars that are so heavily blown out that it almost drowns out the vocals. Almost. You can still make out what lead vocalist Jim Reed is saying, but you can see where the inspirations for Shoegaze started to come in through this album. And even though it's more or less noise pop and post-punk, Just Like Honey is a staple of the genre. It has loud, dissonant feedback, but yet it's a song that you can sing along to. It's very catchy, and it has that iconic drum beat that was taken from the famous Ronette song, Be My Baby. But, you know, if you know the song, then you 
definitely know that drum beat. You definitely know that drum intro. And this same beat is used later in the album on Sowing Seeds. It's a pretty great record. It's very noisy, but at the same time, it's very catchy. So far in this list, we haven't had a mixture of noisy and catchy. It's usually either noisy or catchy. But I think when talking about shoot gaze, it is important to talk about Psycho Candy, not only because of its importance, but because of the diversity it offers in the genre. And now for the final album on my list, we're moving away from the UK and to America with number five, Delaware by Drop 19s. I wanted to represent the US scene and the genre's fusions with indie rock with this album and this band. Drop 19s were based in Boston and formed their sound from bands like MBV and Slow Dive. We are seeing an emphasis, a bigger emphasis on rock influences with a bit of emo. We are hearing these noisy guitars that are sonic youthian and take notes from Dinosaur Jr., especially in songs like Plus Fish Dream and Happen and Angel. The opening title track, Delaware, sounds like a typical shoegaze noise pop song with subtle vocals and those fuzzy distorted guitars. It is important to note that the U.S. shoegaze movement began when U.K. bands like Ride came to America to tour. However, U.S. bands created their own image, this sunny, optimistic sound that focuses on youth with its lyrics. A perfect example of this is the track Winona on Delaware. It's got that slacker rock feel that bands like Pavement and Dinosaur Jr. popularized. But we also have noisy guitars and sing-song vocals about what seems like holding on to that childlike sense of wonder. It's honestly a track that's more indie rock and noise pop than it is shoegaze. However, we go back to that shoegaze sound on a song like Rebury Member. Er, this is a very difficult uh, song name to pronounce, but it's it's called Rebury Member, and it begins with this wave of distortion slowly washing over the listener, and then the vocals fade in. They're soft and they're subtle, but it's it's distinctly shoegaze. The difference with this song and, and and a lot of the songs featured on this record is that there's shouty emo vocals that come in very briefly, but they definitely make their impression. And that's where that emo influence comes in on this record. And then possibly my favorite song on the record, Kick the Tragedy, which is a beautiful piece clocking in at about nine minutes in length, background fuzz, acoustic drumming, percussion, and uplifting horns are in the background. And it, it's mostly instrumental up until a brief spoken word passage interrupts the instrumental this passage captures a lot of teenage emotions and feelings, and it honestly sounds more like a short story than lyrics to a song. But on this record, we have a mix of shoegaze conventions that we've heard so far from these other records, as well as incorporating indie rock and an emo into the pot. So that's my list. And to recap, we have Loveless by My Bloody Valentine, Suvlaki by Slow Dive, Rides Nowhere, Psycho Candy by The Jesus and Mary Chain, and Drop 19's Delaware. Hopefully you find a new favorite genre with these records, and hopefully you enjoyed me talking about shoegaze because there's so much more in this genre that I have yet to cover. Shoegaze is still kind of alive in 2020. Shoegaze kind of incorporated itself into black metal, creating a subgenre called black gaze. Some of my favorite shoegaze records incorporate neo-psychedelia, glitch pop, and IDM, and there's just so much to cover from this genre. So if you liked this list, please let me know. I'd be happy to do 
another list covering five more shoegaze essentials, possibly in the near future. Who knows? But yeah, this this genre has so much more to offer. The abundance of creativity from the genre is amazing and overwhelming. And like I said, I hope you find your new favorite genre. That was five albums to get you into shoegaze. All right, so that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. Uh, I don't know what I'll do next week. I have some thoughts about covering Slowcore or Animal Collective as that new EP that they released really wanted me to go back through their discography. I don't know. I'm unpredictable. You're just going to have to tune in next week to find out. You can now listen to this podcast on Spotify. So if you run down the list, we got Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and now Spotify. And if you wish to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Caesar underscore Torres. That's C-A-E-S-A-R underscore T-O-R-R-E-S. Thank you to Soundstripe for their wonderful selection of music, which I use today. And thank you for tuning in and listening and supporting my little show here. I'm Caesar. This has been Sound Encounters. See you next week.